When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. Hello and welcome back to the show, MD Nation. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and I am bringing you the week two recap of the Sunday night and the Monday night games so we can put an official goodbye to week two and I'm giving you the waiver wire segment in today's episode as well so we can go ahead and start looking forward to our matchups for week three and beyond by making sure we have the best rosters possible depth is always key just because you don't need a guy off the waivers to necessarily start for you this week you still need to have the most depth as much as possible so that way you have all the options available to you to continue to make the best choices week in and week out. So we're going to talk about some guys that may be able to help you this week. We're also going to talk about guys who are going to be able to help you down the road too. And today's episode should be a little bit shorter today because we only have the two games to recap and the waiver wire segment, which makes up for the really long one yesterday. And then, of course, after today, there's no episode tomorrow on Wednesday We'll come back on Thursday and Friday for the two preview episodes. Make sure you get your start sick questions or any of your fantasy questions to me through social media at MDSFF Show on Twitter, at MDFF Show on Facebook. And of course, you can email me directly on my website, www.mdffshow.com. The rankings for week three will be up by Thursday. I usually try to have them up by Thursday afternoon. So that will be available to you guys then too. So you can look forward to that and keeping up and keep plugging in the 
most probable players to score the most points on your teams by following along on my rankings for you there too. A lot of great stuff for you there as well. There'll be more articles out this week that you'll be able to get some insights from my writer, Chris Dowhauer. And we'll be bringing that out to you as the week goes on. Look for that on the website, mdffshow.com. I'll make sure I shout it out on Twitter and on Facebook when a new article drops there too. So let's go ahead, drop that break. We're going to get right into the Sunday night recap. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The biggest storyline of this game has to be the injuries on the Eagles' side of the ball. They dropped like flies throughout this entire game. Carson Wentz got knocked out for a period of time but was able to come back in. That was the lone bright spot. Coy Komet, out. Alshon Jeffrey, out. Deshaun Jackson, out. Dallas Goddard, out. Even Jason Peters went out. Lane Johnson missed a, a bit of this game with a little bit of an injury. He luckily was able to come back in. I mean, it was insane. If you had Eagle Fantasy players, if you had Eagle Fantasy wide receivers, you pretty much got screwed in this game. A game that promised to be a shootout of a type of a game wound up being a 24-20 to type of game because the Eagles didn't have any players left on the field to press the ball down. All of a sudden, there was just more for Zach Ertz. There was more for Nelson Aguilar, who we're going to talk about in the waiver wire segment. And we did get some reports in today on exactly what is going on with Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. All Sean Jeffrey, he might miss the next two weeks. Now, the Eagles are in a tough spot, and the main reason why he might miss the next two weeks is because not only do they have a game on Sunday, but then they do have the Thursday night game the following week, so they don't have a full week in between. So while Alshon Jeffrey's calf injury is not considered to be serious at the moment, he may have to cost him two games just because of how close they have their games together in the next two weeks. Same thing kind of goes for Deshaun Jackson. Now Deshaun Jackson's injury is expected to be even less serious than the calf strain that Alshon Jeffrey has, Deshaun Jackson with a groin issue. But he may miss the next two weeks for the same reason. While I think that there's a possibility that he could play. There's de- I, don't th- I don't think anyone is counting on Jeffrey playing this Sunday. I think they're holding out hope that maybe he progresses enough to play next Thursday, but I don't think anybody's expecting him to play this Sunday. Deshaun might have a little bit of a chance to play this Sunday, depending on how things go for practice. So have to keep that in mind, have to keep an eye on that. If not, you still are not out of the woods going into Thursday's game. Because if he can't play Sunday... He may not progress well enough to be able to play by that Thursday. So both of these guys could be out for the next two weeks. That hurts Carson Wentz. That hurts a lot of things. And all of a sudden, other guys like Nelson Aguilar 
start to look a little bit better. Zach Ertz really, in my opinion, would be the guy over the next two games who would get the major uptick because between that and then Dallas Goddard being hurt, who we haven't got any information yet as of recording this Monday night as far as what his timeline is expected to be and how severe his injury is, it's something we're going to have to keep our eye on throughout the week. So a lot of people are going to have a lot of questions, a lot of eyes on the Philadelphia Eagles and exactly what that injury report looks like and what their practice looks like. But for the game itself, Wentz came in, didn't have a great game, kind of to be expected. 25 of 43, 231 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions. As far as a health standpoint, he looked okay. It looked like maybe he took a shot to the ribs that was kind of hindering him throughout the game. But also, I don't know what he was supposed to do if he didn't have any of his best weapons out there. Something else you're going to have to keep in mind. Carson Wentz is still going to be a QB1 in my book. But... We'll have to see. They're going to play against the Detroit Lions, who have looked decent defensively over the past two weeks, looked decent against the Chargers. Wentz can still get it done with Ertz there, but you definitely have to cap his ceiling going into next week. And you kind of saw why against the Falcons in this game. As far as the running game goes, which they may have to try to lean on a little bit more, I was thoroughly unimpressed. This is a Falcons team that got lit up by Dalvin Cook and the Minnesota Vikings the week before. And while I do think the Vikings have a better rushing attack overall, the Eagles shouldn't have been this pathetic. They have a good offensive line. Miles Sanders I, Miles Sanders keeps getting praise from everybody. I don't understand why. Now, I have not been a Miles Sanders fan, and I've been on record with this show going back to the draft before the Eagles even take took him that I was not a Miles Sanders fan, and I didn't see what everybody else was seeing because I see a guy who doesn't have that extra gear to burn through the second level when he gets through the line of scrimmage. I see a guy who's only okay at a little bit of everything but doesn't have a special skill set to make him a all-around, three-down featured back that everyone seems to make him want out to be in the future. I don't see it, and he continues for the second week in a row to only average two yards a carry. Ten carries, 28 yards in this one. That's it. Three catches for nine yards. I'm not impressed at all. We'll see if that continues. We'll see if that gets better. This offensive line is good where one of these running backs should be doing well, but no one is. Jordan Howard wasn't good in this game. Eight carries for 18 yards. He had actually one catch for eight yards in this ball game. The guy that surprised me who didn't get involved considering the injuries was Darren Sproles. He only had three targets in this game, two catchers for five yards. Being one of the few pass catchers that were actually healthy after this game was all all said and done, I was surprised he wasn't more involved, especially since the Eagles were coming back from behind pretty much this entire game. We'll, that's something I would think is going to change. I think Sproles is going to get involved here. We're going to see some play from Arkea Whiteside, but he's not somebody who I'm going after in fantasy redrafts. I'm not going to sit out there and play him. I don't think he's ready. And he's definitely not ready for you to actually play him in your fantasy lineups this upcoming week. And being that Alshon and Deshaun Jackson are a two-week injury at most, I'm not really going to worry about picking up Whiteside or think he has any value. The only person that I might look for is Nelson Aguilar, just because of pure volume. Not a big Aguilar fan, but he wound up having a good game in this one. Eight catches, 107 yards, a touchdown on 11 targets. Zach Ertz was the leading targeted guy. Eight catches, 72 yards on 16 targets. That's who it's going to be. The passing game is going to be Aguilar and Zach Ertz. As long as Jeffrey and Deshaun are both out. So, they're, they're you know, Ertz is, he gets a volume that he was looking at a season ago. So, you can expect big things from Ertz over the next two weeks. And Aguilar just, is just pure volume. And having Carson as his quarterback, it's going to give him fantasy relevance as we move forward here too. Now, on the flip side, on the Falcon side of the ball, 
the offense got back on track for the most part. Matt Ryan was still a little bit shaky because he still had three picks in this game. But for fantasy purposes, because he had the three touchdowns and went over 300 yards again, 320 yards, he still did good for you for your fantasy teams. But the interceptions, he's got five interceptions now in two games. That's, he's never been you know, super careful with the ball, but he's never been this turnover prone either. So I expect to see that to kind of get back in the check. But I think overall, you're good with what the Falcons showed you offensively in trying to get back on track. The only aspect of their game that you're not okay with is the running game. Now, this is a tough match against the Philadelphia Eagles. There aren't going to be many running backs who do well when they play the Philadelphia Eagles. And this has been the case for a while now, pretty much since they've had Fletcher Cox, essentially. Even losing Malik Jackson, they didn't have Malik Jackson last year, and they're still one of the best run defenses because they have Fletcher Cox and that defensive line dominating the line of scrimmage time in and time out. And that's going to continue to be the case. And it was in this one. Freeman wasn't good as far as carrying the ball. 11 carries here, 22 yards, only 2 yards to carry. The only bright spot you could take out is Ito Smith, while he was much more productive, had 32 yards in this one. He only had 4 carries. So Freeman dominated the touches out of the backfield as far as rushing the football. Which is kind of what you wanted to see after last week, fumbling the ball, kind of got put in the doghouse. There seemed to be an even split between him and Ito Smith at that point. This game went back to it's Freeman's lead guy, and then Edo Smith gets sprinkled in. Now, Freeman did have a decent return for you in the passing game. Three catches, 42 yards, had a nice 28-yard screen that he was able to break for you, four targets. That's what you want to see. If the offensive line of the Falcons is going to be banged up the way that it is, and if they're not going to be able to get a push against very many teams, you want to see Freeman get at least more involved in the passing game because that is a skill set that he has, and that's something that we hadn't seen too much of at least in the first two weeks. And even now, four targets, I'll take that. I want to see more like five or six on an average basis, though. And when he gets to that point, then we know Freeman will have a a better floor. But better matchups are ahead for Devontae Freeman. Look, gone are the days where Freeman was matchup-proof. Those days are gone. It is going to dictate on who they're playing. And he's had two tough matchups back-to-back. So I think moving forward, you're going to see the Falcons play some easier teams, play some teams that are going to put up some more points. I think you're going to see Freeman get more involved. Better days are ahead. I'm not panicking on Freeman after two weeks. Edo Smith did tack on two catches for 13 yards on three targets. He's purely a handcuff. He's not somebody who can play as a flex. He's not going to play somebody who is going to have a significant role in this offense. But he's also going to be on the waiver wire segment because he's an important handcuff. Julio Jones gets back on track in this one, scores two touchdowns, has three touchdowns now in two games, 10 targets, tied with Calvin Ridley for the most targets on the team, five catches, 106 yards. Calvin Ridley had eight catches for 105 yards with a touchdown in this one. It's, it's you know, Julio Jones is the, is the main guy, but Calvin Ridley's not far behind, and Matt Ryan has been targeting him like crazy the past two weeks. Calvin Ridley has is ready to take his step up. The volume is there. The points are going to be there. The offense is going to have to be a throw-first offense. Calvin Ridley is going to be approaching higher and higher on that wide receiver two list and could wind up being a very high-end wide receiver two by the time the season's all said and done. As I've said before, one of the big reasons why coming into the season that I was very big on the Atlanta Falcons was because of the fact that they play so many games in a dome where they're much better, even when they're on the road. They have 13 games in a dome this year. They've played two of them already, so they still have 11 more in a dome. So that's kind of why I've liked them quite a bit. They're going to keep scoring points. They're going to be a passer's offense. Calvin Ridley should be starting for you every single week, and he may be getting more and more valuable as time goes on. 
Austin Hooper came back down the reality in this one. Six targets, four catches, 34 yards. It's kind of the thing about Austin Hooper. He is a roller coaster as a tight end. He's not a touchdown-dependent tight end. She does offer you extra value that maybe some of the lower-end tight ends don't give you because you are hoping for a touchdown or a bust. For him, it's just, does he get the volume that week or doesn't he? Mohamed Sanu, four catches, 16 yards, seven targets. He's an afterthought. He's somebody who maybe if you want to have on the back end of your bench, if they have a game coming up where you think it's going to be a shootout and everyone's just going to get their turn, or I'm fine with him being left on the waiver wire. Either way. That pretty much breaks down the Sunday night game for everything you need to know. We're going to have to keep our eyes on the Eagles throughout the week. But we're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side, talk about the Monday night game between the Browns and the Jets and that slobber knocker of a game. And then we'll come out of the other side with the waiver wire segment. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. At the end of the day, there's not a ton to go over in this Monday Night Football recap, especially on the Jets' side of the ball, other than they predictably did really badly, but unpredictably, it had things actually were able to get worse for this team. With Trevor Simeon going down with a foot injury, he is going to be out now for the entire season for Trevor Simeon. So now they have to turn to Luke Falk to be the starting quarterback against the Patriots on Sunday. Yes, that's right. Luke Falk. So just when things couldn't get any worse, they somehow do. And Luke Falk in this one was 20-25, 198 yards. He's a backup quarterback. The only plus was that he was able to connect with Robbie Anderson and Jameson Crowder in garbage time, which there may be a lot of against the Patriots, and maybe the entire second half might be garbage time. And all you're looking for is, can you get any value out of Robbie Anderson or Jameson Crowder? The answer to that is probably not moving forward. Look, Robbie Anderson had already been staying on my bench, not yet ready to drop him, but he had been staying there on my bench due to Adam Gase's play calling and the fact that Sam Darnold is a quarterback. Now at Luke Falk, he may force the ball more so to Robbie Anderson than Sam Donald was. However, at the end of the day, going up against the Patriots defense, which is very good, I don't think he's going to have much room to operate going up against Stephon Gilmore. And this game gave you no reason to think otherwise. Jameson Crowder, he's more of a wide receiver for PPR only type of player at this point. He should be the guy who gets targeted more. He wasn't targeted at all in this game until the second half, until the fourth quarter, to be more accurate. After they already had back in garbage time as well. Did have a 30-yarder in this game on six targets. Both him and Anderson went for six. The big guy who produced the most, though, was Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell had 31 total touches in this game. Had 68 yards rushing, wasn't very efficient, but that's to be expected when you're putting up nine guys in the box and you have no fear of the passing game being able to beat you. He did come back, however, have 10 catches for 61 yards and 10 to, on 10 targets. That's something that's going to be in the mix for him, especially if they have to turn to Luke Falk. Even if they were to have Trevor Simeon, Le'Veon Bell is the only Jets player that I feel confident in starting. And even then, I only feel good about starting him in a volume standpoint. And because he's a really good player. 
but he had to do it all by himself last night against the Cleveland Browns. He's going to have to do it by himself all over again against the Patriots again on Sunday. So other than you can start Le'Veon Bell because you know the volume will be there, I don't know how you trust any Jets player or how they're even fantasy relevant. As far as other injury news goes, Demarius Thomas is getting an MRI because of a knee and a hamstring issue. So he may not even be available. Their new, their new acquisition from the Patriots on Sunday. For the Cleveland Browns on that side, things got a little bit more back on track. Now, they had no pressure to force anything. And quite frankly, the Jets' defense here played really well. Now, Greg Williams had a great game plan going against the Browns, going against his old team. You could tell that he wanted to do all he could to slow down that, that attack. And frankly, Baker Mayfield didn't look very good, but for fantasy purposes, did just fine. Because at the end of the day, he still went for 325 yards, a touchdown on one pick. But 19 to 35, a lot of times he's holding on to the ball, wasn't making quick reads, wasn't getting the ball out. That's going to be a problem against better teams moving forward. It's going to be a big test for them on Sunday against the Rams, who do have a good defense and an offense that will apply pressure. But at the end of the day, it was a step back into the right direction. Remember, this team didn't play a lot in the preseason, so they're still kind of getting their legs under them too. Nick Chubb was able to find the end zone in this one. 18 carries, 62 yards on a touchdown. Four catches for 36 yards on four targets. My issue with Nick Chubb right now is that the Cleveland Browns seemingly are refusing to do any other formations not in the shotgun. I think it's like 10% of their formations were actually under center. That really hurts Nick Chubb's ability to be able to be an efficient runner. He's not a great runner out of shotgun. He's a powerful runner who has a second gear when he's able to bounce through the line of scrimmage, but he's not going to get that opportunity a ton out of shotgun. Now, he ran well. They ran a lot of shotgun last year, but they were much more balanced in the formation sets, especially when they wanted to try to run the football. So that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. I still love Nick Chubb's talent. This offense is still going to put up a lot of points. He's going to be in position to score, just like he was able to get in the end zone on this one. He's still going to be an RB1 for you at the end of the day. But I am a little concerned as exactly what his ceiling is. How far how far that RB1 scale does he rise if they refuse to ever go under center and line up in power formations and be able to run the football and actually be more of a balanced offense. So far through two games, the play calling out of Freddie Kitchens has not been impressive to me. So we'll have to see how that continues. Keep in mind, when Kareem Hunt comes back, Kareem Hunt is definitely more suited to do that than Nick Chubb is. Now, I don't think Nick Chubb's going to give up his job, and that's never been my standpoint. But Kareem Hunt, if he were to take 40% of the touches away, he may look better than Nick Chubb, and all of a sudden you're in a worse position than maybe you thought when you first drafted Nick Chubb earlier on in the summer. Odell Beckham was able to bounce back here. Six catches, 161 yards, and a touchdown. He had a big 89-yard touchdown on 10 targets. Continues to be head and shoulders above everyone else when it comes to targets on this team. David Njoku had a really scary injury. He landed right on his head and neck. He was out for the rest of the game. We're still awaiting word on exactly the severity of his injuries and what time that may or may not cost him as of now. But I will say it was definitely good to see him be able to get up off of his own power after what was a scary type of injury when he landed right on his head and neck. So that's the only injury there. But in the absence, Jarvis Landry was the second most targeted receiver but only had three catches for 32 yards to show for it. So far, Jarvis Landry has not been impressive. And this goes back to last year. There wasn't much of a rapport between Baker and Jarvis Landry when Landry was the number one wide receiver on the team. 
It was very hit or miss whenever he could actually get him the ball. Now, figuring with Odell Beckham, that might open up some more opportunities. But right now, Baker Mayfield is only looking to make the big play. And that's something else that's going to have to change. But the play calling is going to have to help him out. This offense still needs to get into rhythm. So while statistically it was a better output against the Jets, it was frankly a little bit disappointing because they should have been a lot sharper and looked a lot better. And we're going to have to see when they go up against a team like the Los Angeles Rams, what is that going to do? And why does that affect everyone? Well, Baker Mayfield's fantasy value is dropping until you see him actually put it together, until you see his play calling get better. The only person to me who doesn't drop at all is Odell Beckham because Odell Beckham was the number one wide receiver with Eli Manning. No matter what Baker does, he'll be better than Eli Manning throughout the entire season. That's why I love Odell Beckham Jr. That's why he'll still be a wide receiver one. And he showed you on the 89-yard slant play what he can do when the ball is in his hands. But everyone else, I'm a little bit concerned about. Chubb's going to have the volume at the end of the day, so he'll stay as an RB1. You're more just talking about how close to the top five can he go. But Jarvis Landry... I'm going to have to see this offense get in the rhythm before I believe Jarvis Landry can be somebody that you can start with confidence. And instead of being a low-end wide receiver two in PPR leagues, he's becoming more and more of a wide receiver three matchup-based type of guy where you're waiting for a matchup that should be a lot of points. And that could be this Sunday. So he still could possibly stay in your lineups in that scenario because there could be a lot of points on Sunday. But it's going to be a matchup-based unless this offense starts to click soon. So I was kind of disappointed with what I saw out of the Browns for the most part in this game. That's going to wrap up the Monday Night Football recap. We're going to take a quick break right here, come back on the other side, get you to the waiver wire report. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. Alright, so it's time for the most important segment of today's episode, and that is the waiver wire. Who do you got to pick up to make sure you solidify yourself for this week upcoming or for future weeks because there's some value on here that should help you guys for some time to come, especially with the bye weeks right around the corner. Remember, we're heading into week three. One Week four starts the bye weeks. The 49ers and the Jets kick off the bye weeks on week four, and then we have bye weeks all the way through until week 12. So that's when the waiver wire becomes so important. That's why your depth is so important because this is where fantasy seasons are won and lost when you don't always necessarily have your best players at your disposal. This is where the cream rises to the top. And this is where listening to this show is going to help you get the advantage. And to start off with the waiver wire segment is Carlos Hyde. Now, well, I'm sorry. Before we get started, I just want to repeat like last week when I explained the waiver wire segment to you guys in case you're new to the show. Because we do have a lot of newcomers coming in. And I, I love it. The additions to MD Nation have been fantastic. But in case you're a new guy coming to the show, what my waiver wire segment is based on being... or less owned on average across all platforms. So you take ESPN, Yahoo, CBS, NFL, all the major platforms that people play fantasy football at. I take those, I average them out, and then the players that are less than 50% owned on that average make my waiver wire segment. So that way, the idea is that when I go through the guys on my waiver wires, most of you will have these guys available to you in your waiver wire segment. And per request, I am going to talk a little fab when I go through these guys on how much exactly I would spend 
or have an idea of what I would want to spend in value for these guys coming up to. Because I did have the request from a fan a week ago to kind of point that out there. So we're going to do that today, actually, for the first time in this waiver wire segment, too. And we're going to start it off with Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde is 45% owned, so he is less than 50%. He is more than 50% available to you on average. Carlos Hyde, I talked about in the recap show yesterday. I talked about it last week. He's looked good. And to me, after getting 20 carries in a close game last week and looking good in doing so, got 20 carries for 90 yards and even got a little bit involved in the passing game, to me, he is the starting running back. Duke Johnson only had eight touches total. Carlos Hyde just had 20 carries with 22 touches total. That's a big split in a close game. I'm telling you right now, Carlos Hyde looks like he just might be the starter of this team. It's not Duke Johnson. So I am not quite dropping Duke Johnson. Just a quick tidbit there. I'm not quite dropping him just yet. Because I still think he's going to have some involvement in the passing game. Especially in these games where they're going to have shootouts. Because they are going to have those. Because that secondary is definitely vulnerable. But he's not an RB2 value. He's not a low in RB2 value in PPR leagues like people were drafting him to be in the 6th round. He's not that. He's a bottom feeder flex guy in the right matchup that you have to take a flyer on at this point. He just belongs. He Basically, he's a bench guy who deserves to be rostered, but nothing more as of right now. And because of that, Carlos Hyde. And because Carlos Hyde, unless an injury happens, I think will remain to be the starter throughout the year, I would give up at least 30 to 35% of my fab budget. I would give up my priority for him. He's just starting running back in the NFL, and nobody saw it coming. Nobody. Nobody thought he was just going to take away the job completely from Duke Johnson. That's what he's done. And because he's done an efficient level, I think that's going to continue for the foreseeable future. So I would give up a good piece of that to have Carlos Hyde in this offense. The touchdowns are going to come if he keeps getting the ball as much as he has been. Next up, the next two guys really you can kind of lump into the same conversation. And that's Malcolm Brown and Giovanni Bernard. Both are actually 49% owned, so they're 51% available. And both are handcuffs. I'm not talking about picking up these guys to play them this week. I'm talking about if you're a Todd Gurley owner, if you are a Joe Mixon owner, you need to have these guys on your team. Did Joe Mixon look healthy to you? No, he didn't look healthy to me. Now he might get healthier, but Joe Mixon has a history of injuries, especially ankle injuries, especially sprains. We've seen Gene Vine Bernard, what he can do when he gets all of the work. He's a RB2. So if you have Joe Mixon, you have to own Gino and Bernard. The same thing goes with Todd Gurley because it's clear Malcolm Brown is the handcuff, not Daryl Henderson. That was established in week one and it was just reiterated in week two. So you have to own Malcolm Brown in case the knee flares up for Todd Gurley at some point this season. Now there was more of a split where after week one you're like, oh, well if week two happens in a similar way, Malcolm Brown actually might have flex appeal too. I think that, I think week two kind of put that to bed as far as Malcolm Brown having flex value on his own. But he's still a top-end handcuff in this league. He's also somebody that needs to be owned by all Todd Gurley owners. I'm not going to spend fad budget on these guys because only the people who have the starting running backs, only people who have Gurley and Mixon should be interested in picking these guys up right now. So I'm not going to waste the priority on them if your priority rolls. I'm not going to waste fad budget on them. But as soon as the waiver's clear, I'm making sure if I own those two guys, I have these two guys. Next up, Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is going to be Without even looking at my rankings and having them done, I can tell you right now, Jameis Winston is going to be one of my top, if not my number one streaming quarterback heading into week three. They're playing the Giants next week. And he played better last week. 
Fantasy production-wise, no, he didn't do great. But we didn't think he was going to against Carolina. NFL-wise, football-wise, he played better. He played a clean game, first of all. He didn't have any turnovers. He made better decisions. He didn't rush anything. He didn't press. He let the game come to him. He didn't put his team in bad situations. He threw the ball away when he needed to, and he managed the game, and that's what that's how they wound up winning that game. Winston didn't give it away. That was the first step into what comes next, which is the production, the fantasy value. And against the New York Giants, we just saw Josh Allen look good throwing the football. Josh Allen is putrid as a passer, and he just looked good throwing the football. Jameis Winston, this is going to be Tampa Bay's chance to get that offense to where they've wanted it to be this season where they believed it could be this season. This is their chance to get Mike Evans back involved, to continue the success of Chris Godwin, to get O.J. Howard actually involved. This is that game. This is that get-right game. This is their opportunity. I don't think they're going to squander it. It is a great matchup for them. The Giants have absolutely no defense. The only way it gets any easier is if they're playing the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Jameis Winston, only 42% owned because a lot of people dropped him and moved on after week one. Pick him back up. If you have fab money, I'm not going to go crazy on them, but 10%. If you're streaming quarterbacks, 10 to 15% maybe. Because he's a guy who, this is more than just this week of a pickup. We know Jameis Winston's going to catch fire at some point this season. We know he's going to have about a six-week stretch where he's a QB1. It may start with the Giants this week. But he's a guy who's going to have more value for you than just this week. So I would spend 10 to 15%. I'm not going to go crazy. So quarterback. And if you're picking him up off the waiver wire, you're probably streaming, so you're going to have options from week to week. And there's some other options that I like. I like Stafford this week, too. I like Stafford next week. Plays the Eagles this week, plays the Chiefs next week. So there's other options out there. I'm not going to go crazy, but for a guy that we know is going to have at least a month, a month and a half stretch, most likely to be a QB1, yeah, I'm going to go get him, especially if I'm streaming quarterback, especially when I'm an elite guy. Next up, Terry McLaurin. I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. I thought pretty much everybody picked him up. And his percentage of being owned from last week to this week did jump up. But Terry McLaurin is still only at 41% owned. So he's still 59% of leagues. He's out there across all platforms. Go get this guy. He's the number one receiver on the Chiefs. And despite Case Keenum being the quarterback, he's still finding the end zone. And this was a tough matchup for him against the Dallas Cowboys this past week. And while he didn't have 100 yards, the fact that he still got 60 yards and still found the red zone and was still by far the receiver that was on the field the most out of all of them, by far was the favorite target of Case Keenum. It's only going to get better because... What happens when Case Keenum eventually gets benched, which is going to happen at some point this season? Dwayne Haskins comes in, who played with Terry McLaurin in college. So it's not going to go down in the quarterback change. If anything, it goes up. If anything, there's going to be even more of a comfortability level with Dwayne Haskins. If anything, it'll help his ceiling go up higher too, because Haskins will actually be able to hit him deep on a consistent basis. So Terry McLaurin should be owned in all leagues right now. He's a very, very valuable high-end wide receiver for I could even say probably a solid wide receiver three after two weeks, especially the performance he put up against the Dallas Cowboys with an upside to him in any given week because of his big playability. So I don't know why he's even that available. In fab budget, I'm, I'm going to give 20, 25%. I'm going to make sure I have this guy. He's going to play in my league, especially with the bye weeks coming up. He's going to be an X factor. He's going to be a flex. If I play in a league with three receivers, he's going to play as my third receiver in a lot of matchups. So he's somebody who's going to start for you probably on a pretty consistent basis through the bye weeks and through injuries. So go ahead and get Terry McLaurin. Next up I want to talk about, and it's very, very rare that you're going to hear me talk about this, but in this situation, I think everyone's going to kind of figure out why. Cowboys defense. 
Only 37% owned. They play the Miami Dolphins this week. Now, this is a one and done, so I'm not spending fab, but I'm never going to spend fab budget on, on a, on a defense, first and foremost. I'm never going to waste a priority if I'm on a rolling waiver wire priority system on a defense either. But if you're in a reset where you guys reset your waiver order based on standings every single week, use it. As soon as waivers clear, this needs to be one of your first pickups that you make next, when you're streaming defenses on Wednesday. First thing you do, wake up early morning, pick up the Cowboys defense because they could actually be team. They could actually be weak winners this week. We saw what the Patriots defense did to them. You saw Patriots defense won people their matchups this week. The Cowboys defense is one a very good defense in their own right. Two, anytime the Dolphins play anybody, that's the defense you're going to want to have, no matter who it is. Even when they play the Jets and the Bills, I'm going to want their defenses. So this week with Cowboys being widely available across platforms, yeah, you have to go and pick up the Cowboys defense this week against the Miami Dolphins. I mean, it's a must. Absolute must. Josh Allen is another streaming quarterback this week that we're looking at. He's only 30% owned. It's just, he's a guy who, you know, you got to hope he runs. That's first and foremost. But they have good matchups coming up. And so kind of like Jameis... He's going to be lower than he is on my Jameis list, but if you're streaming quarterbacks, he has a good slew of matches com- matchups coming up where you're going to be able to play him and use him as your quote-unquote streamer. And he's going to have the floor because of the rushing, and you just have to hope that he completes you know 55% of his balls that day, and he may get you 18 to 20 points, which is what you're looking at out of your quarterback in any given week. And he's only 30% owned, so he is widely available to you. He's not somebody I want to spend fab budget on just because of the shaky nature of his play. He's not somebody I want to put a waiver wire on, but he is somebody who I'm going to want to pick up as soon as waiver's clear for the week to have. Or go ahead and pick him up if you have a resetting waiver order. But Josh Allen's definitely on my list. A guy who I maybe would spend a little bit of fab on is Matthew Stafford. He's only 26% owned. Like I said, he plays the Eagles this week, plays the Chiefs next week. I like him a lot. The biggest thing about Stafford and the reason why I would be a little bit more aggressive in going to get him is that I think he's somebody that once you pick him up, instead of having to stream at quarterback, he's somebody who actually might be able to stick on your team. Now, you might not necessarily want to play him every single week, but even look at this week, 13 to 10 against the Chargers, and he still had 17 points. 16 points, depending on what your interceptions, you know, what your interception points are in your leagues, which seems to vary from time to time. But based on being two points, 245, two touchdowns, and a very low scoring game, and he still had 17 points, 16 points. So playing against the Eagles, that's going to be a great matchup for him. We saw the Falcons torch him down the field. Matt Stafford looks healthy. He is throwing it down the field. He has all these weapons to be able to go to. He's going to be able to do that against the Eagles. He's going to be able to do that. He's going to have to do it against the Kansas City Chiefs. That's going to be a game that should have a lot of points in it, and he's going to have to throw a lot in that game. I think it's a guarantee that he gets 300 yards and two touchdowns in that game. I think there's a pretty good shot he gets 300 yards and two touchdowns in this game coming up. So he is somebody who kind of like Jameis, because I think they're going to have more season-long value that you're going to be able to use, and they're not just a pickup for this week. I would spend 10 15% maybe, uh, with Stafford, probably 10. James has a bigger, catchier name, so I maybe would go up to 15%, depending on your quarterback situation. I'll probably stop at 10 for Matthew Stafford, but I'm picking up Stafford. I'm using a priority on him, especially if I'm streaming at quarterback. Jalen Samuels 
is on here. It sounds like James Conner is very optimistic, at least himself, that he's going to play on Sunday. The Steelers definitely hope so as well. But he was in an interview earlier today, and I'm recording this Monday night. So this was earlier on Monday. He was in an interview on the radio station that he is going, that he thinks he should be able to be fine and play this Sunday. His injury is definitely not considered serious. So that's the good news. If I'm a James Conner owner, though, I'm probably going to try to make room for Jalen Samuels on my bench this week. Just in case, just in case you don't want to get boned on Sunday, make sure you pick up Jalen Samuels. Make sure you're good to go because if he is a late scratch, then it won't be Benny Snell. It would be Jalen Samuels who I think would take most of the work because they wouldn't be prepared for that. They'd be playing as if Connor's going to play and then Samuels would just have to come in and take over. And even moving forward, we know Samuels is more of the handcuff. Snell, there might be a little bit of a committee between the two if Connor was actually to miss time where Snell might get a few more of the carries. But Samuels will get some carries, and he's a much better pass catcher. He'll be involved in that sense. They need a safety blanket now that Mason Rudolph's going to be the quarterback for the entire rest of the season. With Ben Roethlisberger gone with his elbow surgery, he's going to be out the rest of the year on the IR. So I do think Jalen Samuels is something you want to make sure you pick up if you're a James Conner owner. Next up, we're going to talk about is Raheem Mostert. This is another one that shocked me. I thought a lot of people picked a lot more people than what they did picked him up. He's only 16% owned on average. I couldn't believe it. I knew going against, I, in every league that I could, and maybe I play in more expert leagues, I don't know. He wasn't that available to me in the leagues that I was in, except for maybe one or two. I picked up Raheem Mostert everywhere I could and play, played in the flex, knowing that he was going to probably have a decent game against Cincinnati. I didn't think he was going to blow up the way he did, but I knew he would have at least a decent game. In a plus match against the defense, he has a significant role. The only thing that was annoying was that they had to get Jeff Wilson Jr. involved for two touchdowns for no reason. That was the only thing that was annoying. But moving forward, Matt Breida, Raheem Mostert, a team that's going to want to run the ball first to then open up the pass because that's what Kyle Shanahan likes to do. Yeah, and he was involved in the passing game. Uh, 16% owned, that's crazy to me. He is He has flex appeal in plus matchups. And we know that Tevin Coleman's probably out for at least another four weeks. Now, they had the bye week in week four, and that's what's a little bit annoying. But Tevin Coleman's not expected back till week six, week seven. So there's going to be a few weeks here at Raheem Mostert that you should be going out to get him. Because he's so widely available, I think after this week, after this performance, a lot of people are going to be keying in on him. So you're going to have to use your waiver priority. I don't want to go crazy on my fab because I know that when Tevin Coleman comes back, he goes back to being the third guy. So I don't know how much fab you really want to use in that situation. I would you know, 10, 15 tops. I wouldn't go crazy in a fab league just because I know it's not, I usually, I won't spend 30, 35, 40% of my fab on any given player unless I know it's somebody who's going to give me multiple weeks of value. But I do, I would want to make sure I go out and get this guy. So if you think if you're in a league that he's going to be highly in demand and you could really use him in your flex, for the weeks until Tevin Coleman comes up, I'd go 15. I wouldn't go too much higher than that because there's going to be guys who get hurt this year that that are going to have handcuffs available to you. They're going to have value throughout the entire season, and that's those are the guys I say my fab for. Or or like last week when you had guys like Marquise Brown, was like, okay, yeah, you're going to be great all year long. I'll spend 40, 50% on you. Situations like that. That's the only time you're going to see me break the bank. Otherwise, I'm trying to stay somewhere in the 5 to 20% tops on any given week. And it's only if a player if I really need. Next up, Alexander Madison. He was on my waiver wire last week. He was 21% owned last week. This week, he's 22% owned. 
So clearly you Dalvin Cook owners did not listen to me at all. He needs to be owned. He falls in the same category as Malcolm Brown and Giovanni Bernard. If you have Dalvin Cook, you need to own Alexander Madison. And now, in his case, because no one seems to be jumping on him and because Dalvin Cook is healthy, unless you have Dalvin Cook, he probably doesn't have any value to you right now. So you could probably save your priority, save your fad, pick him up after waivers clear, but pick him up. If you're a Dalvin Cook owner, you need to have Madison on the back end of your bench. Cook has been amazing. Madison has been pretty good when he comes in, too. He looks like he could be an RB, a low-end RB, two if something were to happen to Dalvin Cook, and Dalvin Cook has the injury history. Own Alexander Madison. And I will put him on the waiver wire every single week if I need to for Dalvin Cook owners to pick him up. Because he has to be owned by you guys. Has to be. You have to make room for him. You don't want to be the guy who has Dalvin Cook go down and all of a sudden you got to fight with everyone else at the waiver wire to go get him. And in most situations, because most waiver wires are based on priority, most of the time you're not going to be in a position to get him. So don't lose out. Put him in there now. Play prevent. Now I want to talk about Ito Smith. Kind of in a similar light. Devontae Freeman, injury prone. But the other thing I want to talk about Ito Smith is that he looks better to me this year than he does last year. He hasn't he hasn't played as much this year, obviously, or two weeks game two games in, and he didn't have the 50-50 split that he had with him in week two that he did with week one. But he looks pretty explosive to me. He looks pretty decent. He looks like he could probably get a handle on this system. They threw him the ball a few times in last week. So he looks like he would be more widely involved if Freeman were to go down than he was maybe a year ago. Looks better better suited to take on that type of a role. Ito Smith, if you own Devontae Freeman, this is another guy. You need to make room for Ito Smith on the back end of your benches. you got to find a way. You don't want to sit there and lose out. You don't. Now, he'd be more of a high-end RB3 just because of the way the Falcons are using the running game right now because of that offensive line, but he's still somebody I want to make sure I have him on my team before he becomes valuable to everybody. Is it as is it as imperative that he's owned the way Madison should be owned? No, I wouldn't say it's as imperative, but it's still pretty important if you're a Devontae Freeman owner. Next thing I want to talk about is Darwin Thompson. We don't know as of recording this Monday night exactly what the timeline is for Damian Williams who hurt his knee and for LaShawn McCoy who hurt his ankle. Both of those guys went for MRIs today. I'm still waiting on reports for both of those guys. I got a lot of news about everybody else who got MRIs today. Drew Brees and Ben Roethlisberger and everybody else, James Conner and everybody else. I didn't get much detail as far as what what does it look like for LeSean McCoy? What does it look like for Damian Williams? In both cases, it does seem like the word is they won't miss a ton of time, but we still don't know exactly how much time we're looking at. So in the meantime... Keep an eye out for him. You're listening to this Tuesday morning. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at MDSFFshow to get those player news update notifications because that is something I definitely anticipate I will be tweeting about with those two guys. Make sure you're getting that news as fast as possible because if either one of them misses time, Darwin Thompson is going to be somewhat involved. If both of them miss time, Darwin Thompson becomes the number one waiver pickup this week, period. If both of them are going to miss time, it depends on how much time it is, but if both of them are going to miss time, this is somebody who I would spend maybe 30% of my fad budget on. If they happen to have really long-term injuries, which I'm not anticipating, then I'll spend 50%. But as of right now, it doesn't seem like it's going to be long-term in either one of their situations. We may at most be talking about a week or two. But if they're both going to be out, Darwin Thompson needs to be the number one guy picked up 
this week. Next, and not least, last but not least, Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, Deshaun, Alshon Jeffrey, really good chances neither one of them plays this week. Decent chance neither one of them plays the following week on the Thursday matchup in week four. There's a good chance both of those things are going to wind up coming true. So make sure you pick up Nelson Aguilar. He should be one of the top guys that you go and pick up. He's going, especially if you're in PPR and half point PPR leagues, because he's going to get a ton of volume, if nothing else. You're going to have a floor with Nelson Aguilar that you can sink your teeth into. So go get him. Put your priority on him. I would, even if it only is for two weeks, because of how vital he's going to be, he's going to be a high end wide receiver three. With some upside, because with Carson Wentz out there, he showed you against the Falcons, he went for 100 yards and a touchdown. Those games are possible if nobody else is on the field besides Zach Ertz with Carson Wentz throwing the football. So I'm going to spend 30%. I'm going to go make sure I get these couple of wins. I am. I'm going to waste. I'm going to spend my priority on Nelson Aguilar, especially if you're hurting at wide receiver right now, and a lot of people are. There's been a lot of injuries at wide receivers. If you had Alshon and Deshaun, had Tyreek Hill, you're scrounging for receivers in some situations. Go get him. Widely available. So that pretty much does it for the waiver wire segment. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I'm going to be on later tonight, Tuesday night, with the video version of the waiver wire segment, and hopefully by then with maybe more information concerning guys like Darwin Thompson, if we get the injury reports out for Sean McCoy and for... Uh, Damian Williams. So tomorrow night before you know your waivers clear on Wednesday, go to sportscaster.com, go to MDFF show USN as my profile. Go there. I'm going to tweet it out and Facebook page it out when exactly I'm going to go live. So keep on tasking me on social media for that because I'll have a more updated version for you with more information with this waiver wire segment. And I'm gonna give you the video version of just the waiver wire report to you to uh, to you tonight on Sportscaster live video. So make sure you're utilizing that to keep up to date with everything that's going on. There's going to be a ton of information coming out. It's on Tuesday, of course. And make sure you're listening to this show on Radio Public or on your favorite podcast app. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. Make sure you're sticking up with me on social media. Ask me your questions. You might get shouted out on the show. I might talk about your question on the show if you go through the proper channels, Twitter, at MDSFF Show, Facebook at MDFF Show, or through email, www.mdffshow.com. Make sure you're checking out my networks as I've been having peers that have done great work all season long on Overtime Heroics, Belly Up Sports, Unwrapped Sports. Unwrapped Sports is the guys I do the sportscaster with. It's been going great so far. And that's pretty much it. I will see you guys here on Thursday. We'll be back with the two preview episodes on Thursday and Friday, and we'll have the rankings for you Thursday afternoon, so make sure you check that out on the website. And you guys have a lovely day. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 